everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Cosimo Studio Tours podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of an artist's studio. Each week, we'll do an in-depth feature on an artist, exploring the ins and outs of what it's like being an artist, as well as the highs and lows from a creative and business perspective. This week on Cosimo Studio Tours, we head to West London to the studio of Anya Makova. Anya is an artist who creates artwork from tallow, beeswax, soap, gold, and brass. With a passion for art history and media experimentation, her work draws on the traditions of fantasy and mythology, seeking to question the boundaries of the notion of existence, exploring a narrative between the real and the metaphysical. In this interview, we have a thought-provoking discussion about Anya's work, her inspirations, authenticity, art world barriers and its snobbish elitism, as well as how we can really strive to create more of a community in the art world. Anya Makova holds a graduate diploma from Chelsea College of Art and Design. She also holds a Master's of Arts degree from Chelsea College of Art and Design. Some of her most notable art exhibitions include New Japan, exhibited by Suryanka VPA, the Impossible is Inevitable, exhibited at the Jewish Museum and the Tolerance Center, Miss, shown at the 6th Moscow International Biennale for Young Art Parallel Program, and How Can One Tell the Artist from Her Art, shown at the 7th Moscow International Biennale for Young Art Parallel Program. Her solo exhibitions include The Intimacy of Vision, exhibited by Cut Cut Gallery, and In the Depths of Reflection, exhibited at the Regency Townhouse in Brighton. Her works have also been exhibited at the Royal Academy Summer Student Show in 2017. I'm here with Anya Mokova, and we're in her flat studio in Putney, in um, West London. Um, But thank you, Anya, for being here. Um, Again, could you tell me... Start with your artist story. Hi, it's very beginning. Uh, it's very nice uh, doing this interview. Um, thank you for inviting me for that. Um, so um, the first thing we're going to talk about is probably my creative path and how I happened to become an artist. Um, as it happens sometimes with some of the people, um, I was just drawing. Like for, from the age of three or four, I was drawing every day, and that's mm-hmm. what I was enjoying. Um, I was enjoying doing so. I would draw things, I would sculpt things from plasticine. Uh, basically, arts would be my you know, favorite subject, um, like at school and at kindergarten. So at some point of time, um, as an additional um, you know, like courses that you get after school, um, I applied for an arts um, school for children. So I was doing that for a few years. And then at some point, um, I had to decide on my uh, career path. So um, as art, at that point of time, seemed very... Um, intricate as a profession Uh, so I had to choose something a bit more stable which was design and architecture Mm -hmm. so that's how I got my first BA degree very classical one from an academia Um, but then I decided that I really want to get the contemporary approach to that so I decided to move to London to study at Chelsea College and first thing I did I applied for an interior design course um, um, and the director of the course was Peter Stickland and he had this particular methodology when you would not design the space with all the like layouts and visualizations and images. You would actually create a book um, with a journey through that space. So I was really excited about the conceptual side of that course and I decided to go for masters. And then during the masters with all the fantastic workshops at Chelsea, I really returned to making things by hand, sculpting by hand, working with materials. 
and at that point I just decided that I love to speak um, and just explore ideas about people and spaces they're in but I decided that that's something I want to do uh, through sculpting things, through making mm -hmm. objects. And that's how, um, yeah, I became an artist. That happened like, what, 11 years ago? Okay, perfect. That's actually really good. Thank you for doing, <laughs> thank you for going through the methodology and like specifically like your conceptual practice because that helps us go through what your practice is because it is quite, I really like it because it's quite multidisciplinary. So can you walk us through your practice? Mm -hmm. What is your artistic practice? Kind of what mediums you work with? Probably I'm gonna start with mediums um, as it somehow falls into the you know into that story with Chelsea College workshops. Um, so ten or like twelve years ago, I started working with wax, and I found it absolutely fascinating uh, the way it works with temperature, the way it bends when it's hot mm -hmm. around, the way you can actually shape and form it with your hands, especially if you like put it in hot water. I was so excited about that material and at the same time I was working with metal so I started working with brass and so 12 years ago these two materials um, which I merged together in one sculpture became probably the foundation of my practice so my practice is very much about having a rigid structure and for that I would normally use brass um, sheets or brass rods and then I would add on other objects which would be from a softer material like wax um, and like within the, the, those years I started adding more and more materials to my work so I started adding tallow to wax uh, to give it more plasticity and then um, it starts melting at a different temperature as well and then I started adding essential oils and then lipsticks for color to it and then I moved from wax um, and tallow working with soap because it's a very similar material as well as soap yeah. is made from oils or tallow and somehow I started gaining more and more materials into my practice and um, more techniques as well so besides only constructing things together I started um, working with engraving with incrustation and experimenting with all of those materials in very many different manners. Mm -hmm. yeah. And by that, um, with some of the exhibitions, which were sponsored by museums uh, or brands, I started exploring even more materials uh, which I needed to, um, you know, mend the project together, to put it all together. And I started adding silicon, uh, plaster, resin, uh, glass, neon, acrylic stone, so now I have like this huge range of materials that I'm working with. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is a lot. <laughs> um, and then current, um, and then in that, because you talked a little bit about you, sort of your conceptual teaching mm -hmm. initially, what kind of concepts and themes do you explore mm -hmm. through those mediums and through this sort of other multidisciplinary artistic approach? I guess for me, it has always been about creating fantastical worlds something that is sort of not real and quite um you know inviting to immerse into some sort of another reality mm -hmm. so i try to work with these materials because sometimes they look like what, what they're not so soap sometimes looks like marble or uh, tallow looks like marble sometimes as well so uh, for me it's about creating um, a story with all those materials um which is sort of a little bit metaphysical so sometimes it's a little like uh, fantastical, um, we can say like mysterious as yeah. well. Um, but the, 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 the way the story happens is normally I would um, 
I would respond to a, a personal event in my life, but then I would link it to mythology or other studies that are there um, about you know mythical thinking when a person was you know associating himself with the forces of nature a lot. Mm-hmm. So this project, for example, um, which I'm working on now. It's about a very personal story about my dog that I had, but unfortunately I had to let her go. Um, so I wanted to speak about that personal story of mine. So I started researching into myths um, of the ways animals were like mummified and like taken to, you know, space beyond mm-hmm. when they were dying or about animals, how they were parts um, of mythical creatures or mythical gods. And so now I'm working on that project, mixing my personal story and then researching mm-hmm. into the history of arts and history of um, um, culture. Because you said, when you said fantastical, I was going to bring up mythology and like, yeah. mytho- like I was going to ask you what you, if you feel there's any difference in that and that you just answered kind of the question. <laughs> I was like, is there a difference between this? And then, but so growing up, because I'll ask you about your background, mm-hmm. do you specifically, I know some of the answer with your current projects, do you specifically draw any from any mythology from when you were growing up or how do you kind of go about that in your research process Um, looking into researching specific stories and myths yeah i I guess i mix loads of various cultures so i'm not only working with like european myth I, i look into other cultures as well but in terms of growing up i think what influenced me is just the fact that uh myth was always so close to me because i come from a particular region where we still have uh, some of the beliefs of like uh, uh, creatures from the forests mm-hmm. from the fields from the mountains from the lakes so for me as a kid it was all true like it was a complete reality <laughs> that they exist <laughs> um, so i guess it just uh, you know became a part of me somehow that to me it's all there like yeah i can't doubt that it's somewhere it's you know it's all happening yeah it's just this is more her creative side or like of course yeah. it's true <laughs> and i think it allows you to embody this different narrative and story it really helps because i feel like or i feel like when an artist it's like it's it's a different type of connection you feel to all these stories and you kind of you're already living out a sort of fantasy mm-hmm. through your yeah, work yeah. anyway whether you're doing something that's realist and you're copying it you're always putting some sort of personal idea ideation in your in your work or something um so with art school, you talked about some of the positives. Were there any positive lessons you learned from going to art school, just kind of maybe fundamentally? Mm-hmm. Many Were there any negative aspects? Not too negative, but mm-hmm. just your experience overall. Um, generally, I always loved um, learning somehow. I enjoy it a lot. Mm-hmm. So I absolutely enjoy the fact when you get all the resources, like workshops, libraries. Yeah. I really enjoy doing all that. Like I'm, I can wake up at six in the morning, you know, and like go to the library and then you know stay in the mm-hmm. workshop till like five or six. Um, I think the the positive side, of course, are the resources, and then the second thing I would say, the community, mm-hmm. because you get um, uh, the tradition that you sort of start following. You're taught in the particular way, and you get the community of people around you who are also uh, like-minded. So to me, I guess that was uh, the very good thing about any art school, whether it's academic or more contemporary. Mm-hmm. Um, if we talk about the negative parts, I think that my experience with academic degree was a little bit boring because it was all quite technical and there were so little ideas, you know, that you could explore and no one was really encouraging you to be like creative, and, you know, original, authentic. That was not something that was, you know, looked for. Mm-hmm. But still, I'm, I'm glad I've got this first academic degree because, you know, 
I can say I can draw, you know. <laughs> Definitely learn that one. That's always good. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, I was like, did you value that kind of like fundamental issue? Because the, I guess the issue is sometimes people who go to art school and have people on here, they're like, I thought I was going to learn the traditions and they value that conceptual mm-hmm. side. They value, they, or no, they wanted the, fu- they wanted yeah. more of the fundamentals, but received more of the conceptual learning, which I think is why you go to arts, people don't realize this. I think the benefit of art school, you're supposed to expand your mind, you're supposed yeah. to experiment, regardless if you go back to sure. whatever medium. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is that you wanted to go to art school in the beginning with, to begin with, so that's why I'm on task. Um, okay, so going on to the bonus questions, which I like to ask people at Cosimo. Um, if you could pick one thing mm-hmm. that you like about being an artist, it can be several. Um, what is one thing that you love about being an artist? I think it's about this uh, thing that you allow yourself to be mm-hmm. authentic. You're not trying to fit in and you don't have to fit in. You don't have to look certain way. You don't have to follow certain rules. You can really be what you are and you can ex- really explore yourself and find your true self. Mm-hmm. I think that's really, really cool. It's very hard to do that in any other profession, to be honest. It is very hard. Well, how do you... I know, I love that you said that. <laughs> you're the second person that said that, but I think authenticity is key when you're an artist. Um, with your other work, it can be previous, what you're working on now, how do you kind of find that? Mm-hmm. Because it's not easy to be authentic. It no. is not at all to be authentic. It's mm-hmm. you, whether you're presenting yourself on social media, especially you want to mm-hmm. present this authentic image that's not yeah. quite authentic. But how do you kind of find that in your work? I think it happens with a constant mm-hmm. experience, like just doing it all the time. Mm-hmm. It, you know, like finding even own style, the way you look or the way your work looks or even, the, you know, the method you're using in your work, it takes so much time and it comes only through experiment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not possible just to sit down and say, okay, this is my style now, that's all. Um, it happens through, um, you know, this path that an artist goes through, like for my um from my experience and personally for me it's happened like throughout so many years i mean that's what i was saying i started Mm -hmm. only with wax and uh, brass which was unusual mix but then um as long you know as the projects were uh, you know uh, developing i had to get more and more materials experiment with this and that and that's somehow um you know through all these years with all those projects um, I've almost find myself, I guess, but I think it's it's always, you know, it's, it's constant. You can't stop anywhere. I think mm-hmm. you're growing and changing all the time anyway. That's true. Yeah. Um, and as far as going on to the next one, you can tread lightly if you want. Tread as lightly as you want. Give as honest as answer if you want. What maybe is your least favorite part of maybe the art world? Mm-hmm. Or you can be of a, being an artist. Um, I guess it's the lack of structure. Oh, <laughs> I restructure mean, I mean a little bit. I need to have some Coming structure. Coming from being an architect, is that from being an architect or is it? I guess so. Um, I mean, you know, like in normal world, there are rules. Mm-hmm. Like you get a degree, you get a job, you work in your job for two years, you get a promotion. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's all quite structured. In arts, it's, um, you know, you can't control it. Okay, but there's a benefit because you're like, I miss the creative freedom, but you're like, I wish I knew exactly where to go. So what? So with your decision to go to art school, was that your idea? Because I feel like it still is because art, the mm-hmm. arts, 
to be an artist is a tradition. So did you want to follow the kind of that pathway、um, that was laid out, or because that would make sense then, given your yeah, in a、before. way, I just thought it's gonna be much more clear and much easier. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I like I guess not just the structure, but just the clarity of like what's happening in the art world.、Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, I think when I was but I was naive. I mean, I was twenty one,、mm-hmm. so I thought that it's gonna be quite you know clear, clear career path. I'm gonna become an artist, rent a studio, sell works. Yeah. <laughs> But、yeah, apparently it's not that simple. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that. That was a very honest answer. So, less.、Um, do you think in the art in the art world is it more? It's not really a meritocracy, but it's it's a little bit. There's some people that are, but、um, yeah, I think that makes sense. There's not really a clear cut path, but I think with your work as well, because you do other kind of yeah parts of your business.、Mm-hmm. Does that do you like that idea of being able to explore? So you have like a temporary tattoos or like doing、yeah. this sort of other other kinds of things. Is that the, one of the benefits of having this、um, lack of structure?、Uh, maybe I guess I think that those projects are actually、uh, giving me that structure because、mm-hmm. I, I have the deadlines, you know, I have the contracts with clients, so it's always very good to have those, and they do support my development a lot as well. Because with those projects, having、um, a client who is ready to sponsor. The project, I can explore、mm-hmm. uh, materials and techniques and processes much more,、mm-hmm. and I can really scale my work up. So, for example, this project that we were looking at with、um, the big projection on the cupola,、mm-hmm. um, I'm very excited to finish that one because it's going to be big. You know,、yeah. like、in terms of scale, it's going to be huge. So for me, I really enjoy taking on those projects. They give you the structure, of course. They give you、uh, finances and. They give you the ability to create something that you wouldn't be able simply to、um, mm-hmm. finance yourself. Yeah, definitely. And so now onto this other one. What is one thing that you wish you could change?、Um, no, what is what? Sorry, no. The other thing is, what is one thing that you wish people in the art world?、Mm. Let's go with people in the art world、mm-hmm. knew about what it was like to be an artist. About your. Ex- The experience of being an artist.、Mm-hmm. I can clarify that if it doesn't make、yeah. sense, because some people are confused about it. They're <laughs> like, I don't know what I want, <laughs> but I think that it, I hopefully that is pretty、yeah. clear. <laughs> I think it's pretty clear, yeah.、Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna ask you to rephrase it if I didn't get it. Yeah.、Um, but what I think, I think people should really understand that artists do need support. Really, <laughs> love that answer. <laughs> And I'm not talking about like just financial things, you know, but actually just you know sometimes hearing a good word about your work,、mm-hmm. you know, not being criticized, being supported. I mean, it's very nice to hear that what you're doing, somebody likes that, and somebody、mm-hmm. can tell you something nice about what you invest in your time into. And of course, artists, we you know, we work from our hearts, so、um, it's very sad to hear when somebody's criticizing your work in a, not a nice way. Yeah. Because that's something that you really do, you know, sincerely. Yeah. What has been your experience? Because I know you've curated shows as well,、yeah. like and just being in shows.、Um, and I think one of the things I like about you is you're very collab. You seem very collaborative. Met you only a few <laughs> times, but you're very collaborative.、Um, What would be kind of? Do you have any insight or advice about how maybe the art world can be a bit more supportive or collaborative in your experience? Because I feel like maybe you have mutual art, kind of artist friends and、yeah. known people, but you're pretty good at forming this community. I think that's something that Cosimo values because we're all about 
creating community, mm-hmm. making it accessible for people, what would be, yeah. if you have any insight? Because I, yeah. I think you do, because I feel like you want. Well, yeah, I mean, I did spend, at some point of time, I did spend loads of time uh, connecting people. And actually, I'm very happy to see the results, because now I go to a show, and they do know each other, yeah. which is so nice, you know? Yeah. Uh, just being a part of it all, supporting each other. Um, I mean, we, we go to each other's exhibitions all the time, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm very happy always to get into a solo show, you know, bring flowers and congratulate. Yeah. Um, so it's good to have that. Um, but it's formed only, you know, by the way when you're just like sincerely nice and friendly with people. Yeah. And again, it comes from the point when you're not criticizing anyone and you're just accepting the people and their art the way it is. So I guess it's uh, very much about that. I think that's true. Not I think about, yeah, not crit- picky, when you, you know? say criticism, you're, it's different from say like an art world, like an art world crits. We'll say crits. Yeah. That's not where you're being constructive. Would you mean like mm-hmm. people being negative for the sake of being negative? Yeah, a sort of bit? being a little bit. Um, what do I say? Snobby. Yeah, snobby. I guess. <laughs> it's about that. It's like oh, I like, think that's I can not say good that. enough, <laughs> or like, this color is not good enough. Oh, this paint is not mixed good enough. You know, just always being you know a little bit. Uh, like on the top of things, but um, yeah, okay. it shouldn't be like that, I guess. You know, everyone is trying their best anyway. So, so it's less the elitism a bit of, yeah, of yeah, what can it, of what it can be. I think I I wanted to put that in because I think that's definitely something that Cosimo wants to embody and mm-hmm. impress upon people. And I think, do you think kind of when you are approaching this world? Have you ever felt, I, f- I feel like that's one of the things with, that yeah. that's one of the barriers that, mm-hmm. and do you think that's one of the barriers that makes people avoid, even not just yeah. going into as an artist, but maybe people who are just going into a gallery who want to see <laughs> yes. it. Um, um, do you think that's kind of what adds to that a little bit, the unapproachability? Of the yeah, world? I guess so. I, but, but you know what, I found it exciting in London that actually you don't really have to get like invites to the gallery openings, that like mm-hmm. you don't have to be on the list majority of the time. Sounds true. Which is nice. That means mm-hmm. that if you're into art, you, you can, can visit. Yeah, you can go and meet people. And, you know, the opening nights are the best nights to meet. Yeah. You know, the, the best nights to actually make acquaintances. Um, and but, as a... Well, two questions. So as a woman artist, mm-hmm. um, what's been that experience working and living in London? I don't know if you have any anecdotes about it. Because you also are very collaborative with working on yeah. projects, especially, and pulling in women artists, especially, who are mm-hmm. in this kind of community. Um, have you given me insights or shared knowledge about the experience of um, being a woman working in London? Artist? Um, <laughs> yeah, actually, um, it's all quite smooth. Mm-hmm. And I do enjoy the female community in London, of the female community of artists a lot. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, from my friends who live here, I got lots of support. Like, when I didn't have a studio and I didn't have any space to work at all, uh, some of my fellow female artists were like, you should just come to my studio and start working. Like, you shouldn't make a gap in your practice. Just come here, you know, mm-hmm. bring stuff, work. Yeah. And as far as, like, working in, I mean being in this London art scene because you've been here for quite a while so um what's what's kind of what do you love about being an artist in London um actually what I love is probably the fact that I have uh, so many places to explore for my work Mm -hmm. I mean I could just you know stay for the whole day in the museum doing my research Mm -hmm. or stay at the library I mean the resources are fantastic so so many points of inspiration yeah 
And so going to your process, because you have quite a detailed, Mm -hmm. it looks detailed to me because there's a variety of projects you're currently working on. What is your research process like Mm -hmm. as far as working on a project, working on some sort of commission as well? Um, Normally, um, I would develop it around a particular theme. Mm -hmm. So I would normally start collecting um, historical precedents or references. This could include um, something about the history of arts and culture, or this could be, you know, very particular objects, like very particular mm-hmm. objects that are made of a very particular material and have a very particular technique in them. Mm-hmm. And so then I would just start, you know, linking it all together in, you know, just in a mind map sometimes. So it's something like, um, yeah, just a set of ideas. But what I do next, I start experimenting with materials straight mm-hmm. away. So you saw this little bag of materials for one of the projects and so then I start thinking where material could go so I just choose like seven or eight materials and then I start thinking should it be this object or that object should I link this one and that one Mm -hmm. so it's sort of it's a process when you think then you make then you think again and then you make again okay yeah so that is the whole thing and then as far as like when you map it out like Mm -hmm. how does that all come into how do you like when you're looking at the sizes like how did how do you organize because they're quite detailed and they're like oh, artwork yeah, yeah. in itself yeah. it is it is i don't know somehow it just happens in my mind i sort of um, map it out and then i just decide where things go mm-hmm. it just happens somehow naturally like yeah. i don't think, think there's a particular method or something mm-hmm. just in, intuitively i guess yeah. which i think is a good thing i mean as artists i guess we're quite quite sensitive mm-hmm. So I think intuition is sometimes a good way to go. Where is the best place in London that you would go to get inspiration? Mm, Victoria and Albert. Oh, okay. I agree. (laughs) Especially, I don't know why, but the jewelry room. Uh, I love the details. (laughs) <laughs> and the stones she as well. likes the luxury <laughs> she likes the luxury but that actually makes sense with this current thing so the current one that or this other one you have with all the found objects yeah can you yeah. talk a little bit about that briefly because you have so many projects but can yeah. you talk about a little bit the found objects oh that, that, that that's uh, that's exactly the project about my story with my dog okay so oh, um, okay. i've collected all these found materials and objects there to become a part of uh, a set of um, sculptural sculptures that are going to be hopefully in the show one day so mm-hmm. they're going to become a part of um, uh, jewelry a part of um costumes mm-hmm. and then a part of armors and like tools i would yeah i would say probably armor so it's about um a dog who became like a super god or something like that, so it's like a mythical creature. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be like a um, co- costume story for her. So jewelry, costumes, and things like that. That's, exi- oh, that's yeah. exciting. That's so interesting. So is that because of the research mm-hmm. of how animals were kind of mummified and then yeah, yeah. so does that is what what I was gonna ask this prior to this, but what was that myth from? Or like not myth, but what was that kind of ritual? Oh, it, uh, yeah, it was um, a part of uh, Egyptian mythology. Was Egyptian, okay. It's Egyptian, actually, I found it. Um, I, was Egyptian. In, <laughs> I was at this huge exhibition about Egypt um, mm-hmm. at Pushkin Museum back in Moscow. Mm-hmm. And I was walking around and I just saw all these little, you know, sacrifices with like um, uh, dogs and, you know, like cat mummies. And I was like, huh, that just should be, you know, part of my research for this project. Yeah. And so I started looking at all these little tools that they, you know, very carefully used for particular parts of the process. And I was like, there's something in it. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, it got out of that. That's so interesting. <laughs> no, well, no, it's interesting because there could be a many different rituals, but it's always like, I'm not generalizing, but like the mm-hmm. Egyptian, the way that the rit- all the Egyptian rituals, I feel like they treated animals. <laughs> it seemed like they treated animals very well. So that's interesting. Yeah, was yeah, was it was that interesting? Because um, what kind of fascinated you about kind of um, that story? What fascinated me, I guess, is the belief that there is this other world. You know, mm-hmm. in like um, Egyptian mythology, you cross the river, and you're like in a different world, basically in the world of dead. And what fascinated me, this, this true belief that it's there and people just continue living, but just like sort of on the other side. Mm-hmm. And they need their cats, they need their dogs, they need their jewelry there. And I was just so fascinated by that sincere belief that when we die, we don't disappear just, you know, in nowhere, that actually we continue living somewhere yeah. else. You we know? need all our belongings. Yeah, yeah with us <laughs> we in the stuff. material world. No, it's interesting. <laughs> and it's like... Um, there, yeah, there's this idea of, like, beauty kind of travels as well. Trying to connect it, maybe. This idea that beauty kind of travels and transcends or something because mm-hmm. you have all these, like, ornate jewelries if you ever see, like, from archaeology oh, perspective, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so we can connect this. So with the least favorite thing, is there something you would also change about the art world apart from... Mm-hmm what you had just said, making it maybe a bit more accessible, yeah. breaking down these barriers. Is there one thing that you would want to change? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, there are things that definitely could be improved, but probably um, as an educator, I would say that actually I would love education to be much more accessible. That's always, no, that's really That's a good. big deal. <laughs> because, I mean, getting into the art world, you know, it requires loads of effort and actually loads of money. So in that way, it's uh, not very accessible mm-hmm. sometimes, and also it's it's tough. You know, it's a tough choice to become an artist anyway, and also when you have to pay so much for your degree, I think that's definitely something that has to be changed. Uh, I mean, artists bring loads of things to this world mm-hmm. that are needed, and probably education should be just much more accessible for them. How would you go about, because you work as an educator, is oh, yeah. there any idea of... Um, that would happen. Cosimo's working on something at the moment, so it's good <laughs> that you said that. That's actually very pertinent and relevant to it. Um, what would be kind of from your um, I think it's about finding really patrons and sponsors. Patrons and sponsors as in yeah. people who support you? like uh, People who actually campaign. support the actual institution mm-hmm. and like keep it going because education is also about you know having great educators who also need to be paid well, you know, mm-hmm. so they actually invest their time into teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the same thing. I mean, museums have the patrons and sponsors. So I think that educational, um, you know, institutions can have that as well. So aligns so well with Cosimo de Medici, who was the one that, that's why we're named, our platform's named after one of the best of the Italian patron family. So, um, and then, because it's quite interesting. So because we're about, um, before this, did you actually before I ask this other question? Did you have any mentors? Not really patrons, but did you have any mentors just starting out in our art, artistic business? Or to be honest, um, I can't say I have mentors, but I always purchase some workshops from somebody. Okay. Like for example, um, now I'm working with my friend, uh, who is helping me to like develop my Instagram because that's something that I just don't know how to do. 
but it's I'm not sure if it's mentorship it's more like I always know that I have some gaps mm-hmm. and I always try finding people who can actually make me you know better in those areas where I'm not yeah, good at definitely and as far as also influences as well mm. do you have any artistic influences uh yeah, absolutely, I guess. Okay, yeah. well, <laughs> would you um, name well, I love those artists who worked um, with the same materials. So, for example, mm-hmm. I adore works by Janine Anthony. Mm-hmm. Um, her casts in chocolate, in soap, she was using tallow as well for her work. Um, I think they're fascinating. Mm-hmm. I'm also following this artist, uh, Sonia Alhauser. She is using um, butter in her work. Ooh. So she sculpts... So, sculptures which look like classical or I would say even Baroque ones yeah and they're all made of butter what do you like about kind of working with foundish ob- found objects kind of what is wax not every day but like yeah, it's <laughs> you could say a found objects every day type of objects what yeah. do you like the most about about working with that kind of um, selection material I, I guess just the process itself because it's so aromatic and it's so soft and you always have a chance for an accident but a good one oh i mean i like that you can't control it in full you know Mm -hmm. you can sort of structure your work Mm -hmm. with the material but then it behaves a little bit um you know differently depending on how you mix it what temperature Mm -hmm. it is so there's always this uh, chance that you're gonna get something else going on from the side of the material yeah so that's something they enjoy a lot. Mm-hmm. And in recent um, years, I started adding essential oils as well, mixing my own scents. So it's truly aromatic. It's, yeah. it's a very beautiful process. And with this idea of kind of working with tarot, especially, is it? are you kind of always trying to evaluate also this idea of life in general? Or mm. you're working with immortality? Because now I'm trying to understand all the other themes because tarot is also kind of a running theme in your work and a little bit of astrology. Is it more spirituality that you focus on as Um, well? I guess it is spirituality in the majority of ways, definitely. Yeah. It is spirituality. It's always like this, uh, you know, idea to find the meaning of something. Of how things happen. That's perfect. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) This, this, like, origin of something. That's why the found materials are so interesting because I feel like in in any like kind of material that you find it always comes from somewhere so everything is drawn from this place of origin um that i think is interesting so as far as you to constructing your career um because we all like to know about being both kind of an artist and entrepreneur um is there any insight you would give to other emerging artists or people just embarking about how you go about this yeah Kind of the different levels because <laughs> i feel like you oh, can give yeah a- i definitely have some advice for the um, emerging like really young artists to be honest mm-hmm. um i always want to say that to stay true to yourself like this career cannot be built in one year it's impossible really you can't you know become a very famous popular artist who shows in all the galleries and you know at all the fairs mm-hmm. like in a year or two it's it's just impossible because you wouldn't be able to find your own language it takes time yeah. So I would say stay true, true, true to yourself and do not follow the trends. Because loads of people like ceramics became a trend, everybody started doing ceramics. <laughs> and now you know something else is going to become a trend and everyone's going to run and do something that goes with the trend. Uh, that's something that probably can bring some quick money or something, but generally <clears throat> it's unlikely to bring you know that really deep development mm-hmm. that you need to really like, truly be appreciated 
for all the hard work that you put into it. Thank you so much for the little chocolate <laughs> just ran by. <laughs> Go away. I think that I think it got a little bit. No, I think I think I heard that part. It started. It started getting loud just as you <laughs> just as you ended it. Um, so I think that's important. Um, that goes along. That goes along with you staying authentic mm-hmm. with what you do. Um, and as far as kind of like your as far as your daily kind of day to day practice, because you do work as an educator as well, I guess. How do you? work from day to day as an artist and sort of the the yeah the how the how you work from a business perspective from a creative perspective how do you balance those uh well what i do actually um i try to plan everything out but majority of my day is actually not making or sculpting or drawing it's actually communication it's a way to find a project or you know when i'm applying for grants or applying for projects or applying for competitions Mm -hmm. I spent loads of time doing that, actually looking for those opportunities. And the best part is when you get it. And then, yes, I love to work. I love, you know, to count how much I need to spend, how many materials I need to purchase. I love planning things out, you know, like drawing on my wall, putting things up. Uh, But then again, uh, in terms of making, I don't do much uh, things by hand. And then again, it goes into communication a lot with the production sites and places where I order materials or, or I order some works to be done for me. So majority of my day is actually being on the phone or on my laptop. That's good to that's, know. Yeah. I mean, that's the real behind the scenes. It's that's like the, finding the these real, opportunities yeah, by yourself. Because that's the real job. Uh, but when I actually make art, mm-hmm. actually, it's like it's, I'm relaxing. I mean, I'm just enjoying myself uh, making. Do you things. have any kind of tips or insight about when you're applying to any art competitions? Mm-hmm about how to make your make your work stand out or is there anything that you found is key um, i think it is just very much about knowing uh, where to apply because there's i think lots of people are applying to places uh where like you know people do other stuff so when you're applying for things i think you really have to research who are the jury members who are the curators and do they really you know does your artwork actually fit mm-hmm. and do you actually fit, you know, in and is it going to work between yeah. you and this uh, grant or this competition? I think that works with galleries as well because, I mean, the only advice that I can tell artists usually is, like, if a gallery doesn't want you, then it's the same with pitching to, like, a magazine oh, yeah. or something. It's, like, you have to fit that voice, but then it's difficult <laughs> to impart that. Yeah, yeah, you just have to find your own people. Yeah, yeah. Um, how have you gone about doing doing that when you're looking at certain art competitions or open calls? I'm actually going uh, quite, you know, um, specifically through um, the members of jury. So I see what sort of uh, competitions or um, arts they curate. Mm -hmm. So I try to understand what they're into. Then I start looking at people who won a competition at some point to understand also what sort of art interests uh, the jury members. Um, Sometimes I work with curators, so sometimes I seek help from my um, fellow curators with whom I worked. On projects just asking them to go through my application form and see mm-hmm. if there's anything you know mm-hmm. uh, wrong with it yeah. um, so it's good always to have some someone to look at your paperwork yeah and so yeah it's definitely a good way to seek advice especially from people who are a part of um, jury members at some competitions and they know how you know the actual application form should look like yeah I think that's really helpful because I don't know what I'm like. it's kind of like when you first start 
when you first start applying to just open calls I feel like sometimes if you're very young it's difficult to even know and it's like a shot in the dark and especially because a lot of them are paid Mm-hmm. It's difficult to know what to take a gamble on and what yeah. to. I mean, have you ever, when you were first starting out, did you, mm-hmm. did you ever, was it hard to discern like what I, what is good to invest in? Oh, it was it was financial wise, yeah. <laughs> it was impossible to decide. I was just trying to apply everywhere, and I spent so much time doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I wanted to ask because that's really helpful. Um, any other kind of from a business perspective as mm-hmm. well? Any other insight that you would give um, another artist? I would say that it's a very smart thing to actually count your finances very carefully in terms of what you spend on your art. Um, I had this problem a lot with my students. When they were um, um, investing a lot into making their art, but then selling it for a very low price because they didn't know how much they actually spent doing it. And then at some point of time, they were not actually making any money to invest in further productions Mm -hmm. and further development. So um, I even had this online course that I learned about how to actually know how much your art worth. So how to actually count it out. You, know, you just, did? Yeah. So people would know exactly how much they spent in terms of time, money, resources to create a piece or another. So then when somebody asks them, why is this the price for your artwork, they could say, well, look, like I spent, I don't know, 100 hours doing it. Mm-hmm. Or like I spent that much on materials. So it's very good to know. Okay, perfect. Okay, so you actually, she, she actually is the authority, one of the authority of us about to do this. That's actually helpful. Is there like a tidbit from that course that you could pass on? Mm. Or like something that, some, yeah, something that you could share about oh, yeah, how to the, price the, the work? Yeah, it's about basically a very simple thing. You have to count everything. Um, you count your hours, you count your materials, you count even... Um, your, you know, like, if you use, like, um, gloves, disposable gloves, you count that as well. Basically, you put everything in. Okay. Yeah. So it's basically all just materials and time and cost. That's how all you do. All materials, all times, all costs, everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. I mean, that's helpful because I feel like that is the strict um, kind of regime that people follow. But then I feel like they do lower it just because... Are you lower or... Ha- or may or increase your price based on wherever it's being sold so it's hard to debate that yeah. is that how you still have you still followed that method like for I your have, own work? Uh, to be honest i have because also i work with um art commissions a lot mm-hmm. and actually i am required to supply a full you know list of expenses anyway when i'm signing a contract so um, that's, that's something that I do a lot. <laughs> that's something a helpful thing to know. So with your clients as well, that's what you would do with yeah, the old materials. Yeah, definitely. I think that adds a level of transparency too for your own personal mm-hmm. practice. Actually, I don't know. That's oh, yeah. what it sounds like. Transparency is key. Also, going with authenticity. I feel like that's the other thing that needs to be cleared up oh, yeah. in the art world. Anything that can make anything more transparent, I think that's going to help kind of bridge a gap between both like artists and also the tradi- traditional fine art world. Um, and as far as future projects, mm-hmm. what is happening now? Can you say anything and tease um, anything? Yeah, um, well, what's happening now, I've got this project that we spoke about with the projection of the cupola. Mm-hmm. Um, then I'm working, um, and I have to submit that actually in 10 days. Um, so then I'm working towards this personal exhibition project about mythology and animals in mythology. Mm-hmm. And I'm very excited about that one. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, maybe in half a year or a year, it's going to be ready to get exhibited. 
Um, I'm working on one of the projects uh, of a sculpture, which was actually an art competition that I won. But I can't say that yet because it hasn't been published yet, but I'm already like um, starting working on that. So my plan is actually to continue developing here in London. So um, I still need to find a good studio to work, um, to start sculpting by hand. Um, I want to take part in group shows. Mm -hmm. And then finally, I hope like maybe in a year or so, I really want to get a solo show. A small one, but a very tasty one. A solo show. Because if you've been mostly working in group shows up to this, yeah. up to this point. Yeah, yeah. I have okay. a few solo shows. like, um, And I had one really huge show. Like It was a group show, but I was represented like more, as more than any of the artists. So I mm -hmm. had a huge space to work with. But still, um, I haven't had enough solo shows. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I really want to work towards. Yeah. And then lastly, because I said any advice you would give to artists, artists, but that was mixed with like career wise. I like to say it goes from artist to artist. Yeah. Is there any other advice that you would give to an artist just starting out and embarking aside from stay true to yourself? Is there yeah. any other kind of um, yeah, advice? I would say experiment. Out. I think yeah. that's important because that's how you find your own voice yeah doing something unconventional mm -hmm. because and when you're young you can do it yeah you still don't have a gallery who expects you to do one and the same thing all the time you can do whatever you like yeah do you find that even now do you think you found your artist voice even now, how are you? Con are you constantly expanding, experimenting? Um, I'm still expanding and experimenting, mm -hmm. but I think that I did find my artistic voice simply because people uh, easily recognize when the work is mine, even if it's from different materials. That is true. They start knowing easily that this is Anna's work. Mm -hmm. So I think this is uh, this is something that that tells me that probably I found my voice somehow. Do you think social media helped? Because when I see your social media as well, I love it how cohesive. It is very cohesive. I will say this. It's so well curated and cohesive, but you can tell your work and how you've like selected the different images because um, you see some of the wax things as well. But like, does that help as well with presenting yourself? Um, I guess, yes. Instagram mm -hmm. actually helps a lot and it helps me to structure things yeah. as well. So it's like a little mood board, you know? It I is a little bit. <laughs> to sort of understand where my practice is at the moment. Because I think the voice, as far as, you know, applying to shows, pitching yourself, mm -hmm. it goes with anyone in the arts. Um, I think it's important. It's not everyone knows the artist's voice. I think that's the issue when you yeah. start first start. I, I see, like, artists who start out when they're 21 and they have this burnout because... Mm -hmm. You don't know who you are. You really don't know who you are in age 21, well, 22. Yeah. But the art world tells you that you need to have this done, this done, this done. You need to have these shows. And I'm mm -hmm. like, but you don't really know who your voice is at this. You oh, don't know yes. who you it's are at this stage. Age. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but do you, you do feel like you are able to keep expanding as an artist. And mm, yeah. And mm -hmm. I think I actually became uh, much more brave. In the recent years so before that i was like oh should i do this or should i do that like does it fall in the line with my practice and now i'm like if i want to do it yeah mm -hmm. that falls in line with my practice yeah so i was gonna ask like with you have to there's a when you're an artist as well you have a level of um if you have a level of bravery mm -hmm. because you have to be authentic and oh, to yeah. be authentic you have to be bold bold <laughs> absolutely <laughs> has that something that happened yeah in recent years is that something that how have you kind of embraced um, that yeah it, it happened actually i think i was like um 27 or 28 mm -hmm. around that age um i was just like 
tried to like make sketches for some quite conventional sculpture things like that mm -hmm. and then I just uh, bought a piece of soap and I was like looking at it and I was like I'm gonna make sculpture from you and then it all started okay I think that helps so it's <laughs> just going for it but then also you got to have this level of planning uh, <laughs> having a level of planning but then also being bold and being able to experiment and embracing this kind of natural self. But that's what your work does. And I think yeah. I think that has a lot of personal touches in it. The yeah. last thing with architecture as well, I don't know if you've ever experienced looking through portfolios. Mm -hmm. Do you ever feel like the ones that stand out are the ones that have this personal person mm -hmm. personality maybe? Yeah, you know? uh, uh, sure. I think it is very much about personality because for us as creatives, no mm -hmm. matter what you do, architectural art, it's all connected. You can't disconnect a person from his piece of art. I even participated in this exhibition which was curated by uh, my friend. Um, it was called uh, How Can You Tell an Artist from Her Art? Because actually it's almost impossible. We're all like a part of our, you know, art world. Mm -hmm. So some this this world that I construct, I'm a part of it. Yeah, <laughs> that's helpful. That's why I begin everything with what is your artist story because yeah. everything comes from a story. I think you have to have that goes with narrative. You have to have this personal narrative and story that you can share with people, mm -hmm. um, whether that comes from your background or what yeah. have you. Um, okay. I think that's everything but okay. thank you so much for sitting with me and we will now <laughs> i will share his photos as well but i think this has been really thanks good thanks a and lot it's... for very exciting questions i, know. I think it's, it's gonna be a good one I have, i'm excited yeah i'm excited to share your work and your projects it's so interesting and it's interesting hearing your take on the art world because it's so perspective like it's so unique as well um, and truly is. I'm not even just saying that because you can see it through your work. And you have to talk through it to be able to understand it as well. 